the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We began the week looking at prayer, seeking the face of God. We closed the week with that same thought. If my people will pray. Next on Truth For Today. beginning of the week, we took a look at what it meant to pray and seek the face of God, and that tended to be an individual thought. Today, as we close the week here on Truth For Today, we incorporate that to a corporate venue. If my people will pray, not just if you will pray, but people congregating together. And that is the encouragement we receive today as our series, Divine Conditions for Revival, continues. As truth for today comes your way today, Pastor Phil Howard begins with this thought. Do God's people need reviving? Uh, and uh, you would only have to be a person that uh, has just been saved three weeks to, to ever ask the question. Because uh, once you have uh, been saved for a while, we all struggle with those lapses, those uh, uh no seasons, there's good seasons. There's what he really calls in and out of season. The out of season is no season. And so we look at 714, what God told Israel, when at the high point of all of their kings, Solomon is building the greatest temple ever seen in the ancient Near East. And at the dedication of it, something powerful happens. In the midst of it, you can't imagine. God says there will come bad times. There will come times of drift. There will come times when the nation will fall away from me. And I want to give you something. If you will meet four conditions, I will do three things in response. And the rest of Chronicles and their history proved it so. When they humbled themselves, when they prayed, when they sought God's face, when they turned from their wicked ways, God heard from heaven. He would forgive them of personal sin. Notice what he says. I'll heal you of the personal sin, and then I'm going to restore your land. Uh, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. A remarkable promise, a latch key for the rest of the history of Israel. And every king, every leader who followed this in times of national calamity, when divine judgment was coming upon them for sin and backsliding, when they did this, they were always restored and delivered from their immediate 
uh, oppressors sometimes. It would last for years. And regretfully, many times they lapse right back with another king, another administration, and they would repeat their sins over and over. And so the cycle went on, repeated, repeated, until finally, after two exiles, the northern kingdom is led away in 606 by Assyria, 586, Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon take them into Babylon. And even then after that, there's a second deportation. They're scattered. The temple is left in shambles. They have no synagogue, no temple, no place, no priesthood. They're shattered and broken because of their idolatry. But as long as they had this place, they had this promise. Meet me on my terms and I will restore you. And today we want to see how Jehoshaphat in chapter 20 followed this seeking God's face in prayer. And we see a marvelous prayer of his and we want to learn from it. And I think what, uh, as we look at chapter 20 at his prayer, uh, it, it sparks something in my mind. And that is this. Uh, people know they should pray. They're told to pray, but they don't know why. They, they don't really know why should I pray. Is this a rabbit's foot? Uh, is this counting rosary beads? Is this doing a uh, prayer uh, beads uh, in the uh, Eastern religions? Uh, do you, Jesus said, you never heard because you pray long. You never heard because you pray good. Because he said the Gentiles have a whole lot of words, a lot of gibberish. They have length in prayer, but they never get anywhere. It's a wasted thing. And I find it with believers. It's hard to sell you on something that you don't believe will work. Why pray? Why pray? I, I've got a busy life. My palm quarter is full of important engagements with important people. Why pray? And I'm going to show you in the prayer of Jehoshaphat five reasons he was told to pray and five reasons why he prayed. He had five theological reasons working in his mind. There was a reason he went to God in prayer. And I would say to you, until you have a little theology, biblical understanding of the effectualness of prayer, you probably never will want to pray. James said this, when the Spirit works in a man or woman, he says, Spirit wrought prayer in a man or woman, and he said a man, here, and he's going to refer to Elijah, the prayer of a righteous man, and in the Greek it's the idea wrought in him by the Spirit, effects great things. It is effectual. And he gives the example of Elijah that shut up the heavens by prayer, prayed again, and the heavens are open, could take on 400 prophets of Baal in midday, soak the wood that when he's going to pray, he prayed to the God of Abraham, and God consumed it. 400 false prophets killed in a day. He said he was just a man of like passions, but when he was energized to pray, Divine effects took place because of his prayer life. And when you're divinely empowered and moved upon God to pray, and you pray, 
God is about to do some great things just because of your prayer. And that would not have happened otherwise. Now, let us go to chapter 20. Tonight, I'm going to conclude with the New Testament summary of all, it seems to me, the Old and New Testament of divine conditions for restoration for his church. And we'll look at that tonight. But look, if you will, in chapter 20. Uh, they come under threat by the Moabites and Ammonites and different enemies. And they come against Jehoshaphat. And they're outnumbered. These are mighty nations. Uh, you must know this. If you belong to God's people, you will always be outnumbered, outfinanced, outsupported, and the numbers will always be against the people of God. We will never be the majority in this world. Know that. So we're always the minority. We're always the ones that have the least resources on a human level, and our enemies will always be bigger than our resources in and of ourselves. And so Jehoshaphat, he knows this, and he goes before the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard, and he begins this prayer. O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Let's just stop there. First reason why he talks to this God in prayer, God has all the power. We don't believe that because our enemies terrify us. Our enemies, whatever they be, the world, the flesh, the devil, human beings, nations rising up to extinguish Israel again. But the first place he begins with is God's resources versus little Judah. We are your people, God. And we don't have a chance against this vast army. But we pray to a God who has all the power. Now, think through that. You said, well, wait, wait, wait. Osama Laden's got quite a bit of power. I read the paper this morning. They think he died. We don't know. Thank typhoid took him. A French paper said that. Who knows? What a brilliant man that the greatest nation under the sun has never been able to find him. Not doing too bad. Who's got all the power? Certainly not you and I, even as God's people. And our enemies sure can outrank us in power. But here Jehoshaphat, he's praying all the power that exists in the universe is distributed by God. He sets up kings. He brings them down. He establishes seasons. He brings tornado, hurricane, catastrophe. He gives crops. He gives rain. He gives sun. Whether you know it or not, in a polytheistic culture, 
that attributed power to all these gods. The, the religions of the ancient East was this region was ruled by Baal. This region was uh, ruled by Asherah. This region was uh, ruled by maybe a Dagon. Different gods had different counties where they exercised power. And the God of Israel says, I've got power over everything. Fifty-two times in the Old and New Testament, God is called, hear the name, I am Almighty God. Tell Abraham, El Shaddai, Almighty One, that can make barren wombs give birth to a nation. I am the God of Abraham. I'm not a regional God. I'm not a local God. I am a creation universal God. I've got all power. This is our God. You get access to him through Jesus Christ. We can bring our request to the greatest power known to man, the power that slung stars into space without consulting Darwin. The one who can speak a word, bara, he spoke, let there be light. His word brought all the light systems in this universe. His word, he spoke it. He didn't have a lab meeting. He didn't meet with scientists. He spoke, let there be light, and there was light. Let there be matter. There was matter. And by faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God. He's almighty. And Jehoshaphat says, I take my case to the almighty one. And when you and I in prayer kneel, I don't care how inadequate your resources are. I don't care how lost your child is, how broke you are. If you take your case to this almighty God, you've got access to everything you need. He's the one. He can save your marriage. I talked to him before I would a counselor. Your counselor will help give you a bill and you still get a divorce. God could change human hearts. God could make stubborn people who are always right in their own eyes repent and admit it's my fault. God can do that. So, he says, I'm taking my case, Israel, to the Almighty God, the Creator. And listen, when we talk, we, I hear Paul say in Ephesians, when you come to Christ, know that the power that raised Christ from the dead is in you. Ephesians 1. Did he not say it? I want you to know the riches of your inheritance. I want you to know the hope of your calling. And I want you to know the exceeding greatness of the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead. That power is at work in you. Now I ask you, has God the Father made the power available to his own? He has. Why are we so powerless then? Because we think we're adequate. We think we can do it. And every time we fail, we've done it in our own energy, our own self-reliance, our own slickness, 
our own ingenuity, and he's going to let you fail and fail and fail until you discover the power is not yours, it's his. Because he doesn't want you to get the credit. And everything you get the credit for, you did. Hurrah, hurrah for you. But you've never saved anyone. You have never even created a gnat before. Why are we impressed with ourselves so much? Because we bought the lie that we're God's. Self-sufficient. But he said, pray to the God of power. He goes on. Oh, our God, no one can withstand you. Oh, our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword or judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple, going back to 714, that bears your name. And we'll cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. Prayer is riding on divine promises that God says, I will cast the promise if you will pray it. I will honor it like a voucher. Spurgeon wrote a great little book. I have it. I love it. Called Faith's Checkbook. And when you believe God, the checks you could write by faith. I think of a preacher friend of mine wanted to do an endeavor. And when he presented it to the board and everybody, all he heard is, we can't do it. We can't do it. And the big question was, uh, where's the money? Where's the money? Because, you know, that's the God. You've got to consult that God, money. And he replied to this board, Who, who's talking about money? I'm talking about faith in a God that's in charge of all resources. I tell you, God is burdening me to do this thing. God has shown me this. I've wept for many days wrestling with the work, the faith, and what all it will take to do it. But I know the resources are in God. God can keep a promise. Um, the board signed off, would not buy in, stepped out of it. He had to depart from them. It's happened. It's happened. It's now he looks like a genius. He now looks good because the money's coming in. The finances. You see, God has been getting his work done for 2,000 years, and he hasn't been getting it done because a bunch of bankers thought we could do it. He's been getting it done because people believed him, and he releases his resources where he sees an attitude of faith that has his priorities in view, that wants to do his will, 
God has kept this church that you would have thought never could get out of Jerusalem. For 2,000 years, she has done everything by the provision and promises of God. Church should have never got out of the first century. Too many martyrs. By the time Barna gets through describing us, we're an inadequate, inept, he said leadership. He gave up on the church because there's no leaders in it. You know what? When you've got one leader, you can make it. There is a leader that has taken no CEO courses that is the head of this church. He is preeminent. He is Lord above all. He can conquer death. He can do what no IBM board meeting can do. He can save. He can quicken. He can move in. His spirit can do things that man in his ingenuity, he can rise you up, raise you up. He can bring you down. And you'll wonder, what done happened to that ministry? They look so good, so slick. Take him out of the equation and our best efforts will fail. But God keeps promises. Hi, when I first started this church, I still have them in a manila folder. I was... uh, about $1,000 in debt. I, I stayed in debt the first 14 years of my marriage. I'm sorry, Burkett wasn't around. And uh, all I did was go to school, pay tuition, and worked at jobs that paid me little or nothing. My precious wife worked, put me through. I took care of uh, Deborah when she was little uh, while Mama worked. And I would go to seminary, and Grandma Reed would take care of my girl while I was in classes. I had no money. I was broke. I lived out of a Mennonite pantry in uh, Fresno because farmers from the Mennonite community would bring food and clothing into that seminary pantry. And my girl was clothed out of there. I was clothed out of there. We ate their canned peaches. We ate uh, the Mennonite people of the Ridley-Dinuba area were nothing but good to me. They fed me. And a Mennonite man got me a house for $85 a month. Uh, I couldn't even get a house, hardly Fresno in those days. They were tearing them down. But God made a way. So when I landed here, I was broke. And I, ever, I made this list all the time with Philippians 4.19. My God shall supply. And I'd write all my bills, all my bills. And I still got them. And I, it's real corny, kind of a ledger. I'd write down the amount, the date, Philippians 4.19. Then I'd put a highlighter through it and date it when God supplied. See, all I had was promises. All Jehoshaphat had was 2 Chronicles 7.14. And when the Ammonites are coming and the Edomites are coming, And the enemies are surrounding him. He said, I'm going to cash in on God's promise. He said he'd hear us if we pray. And I claim I'm not praying because I'm a great prayer warrior. But God cannot make a promise he cannot keep. So he prayed. And I must tell you, if you will learn to pray with an open Bible, and maybe, uh, uh, you know, I've got five... uh, I keep these around. I just give you an example. Promises to call me to prayer. Those who know your name will trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Nine, five, nine, ten of Psalms. I, can, I pray these on my knees. You hear, O oh Lord, the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to the cry. Ten, seventeen. 
You do not have because you do not ask. You want to stop griping? Start praying. God said, I haven't heard you ask me. I hear you complaining. I hear you murmuring. I hear you say you don't have, but I've never heard you ask me in prayer. When did I shut you out? When did I say I'm not interested? When you ask, you don't receive because your motives are wrong, because you're a hedonist. You want me to heal your poodle, but you don't care a hoot about your neighbor. I'm not going to be a a lollipop God until you want what I want. You don't get my resources. And the thing prayer does, it does not change God. It changes you. And with that, we come to the end of our time together here on Truth For Today, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules with our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. As we close out our program today, we would invite you to contact us. Let us know how the broadcast has encouraged you, has ministered to your walk and relationship with Christ. Now, there are a couple of ways that you can contact us. By phone, obviously the easiest, 855-833-9864. Again, simply call 855-833-9864. You can also write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. 94547 is the zip code. Now, the easiest way to get in touch with us would be through our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Now, as you stop by, you'll be able to drop us an email, but then take advantage of the many resource materials we have available, again, there at truthfortodayradio.org. You'll also be able to find out more about Valley Bible Church here in Hercules, who we are, what we believe, worship times, directions, and the like. Again, truthfortodayradio.org, or again, simply call 855-833-9864. Would you also bear in mind this radio broadcast is available through listener support. As you link arms with us financially, we are able to continue the ministry here on this radio station. So please consider that as you contact us. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.